welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. I think this is the first time in podcasts, our podcast history, where we have no noteworthy news between episodes. (laughs) (laughs) We're sitting here... Ahead of <laughs> probably the most important episode in our podcast history, itching. We've been itching for the past three days to do this, and we're about to do the intro, and Evan goes, I got it. <laughs> and a rule of thumb, if you're podcasting with Evan, Evan Lopsinger, is if he says he's gonna, he, he has the volition and will to do something, you stand the hell out of his way and you let him do it. And you come up with that. <laughs> I still don't know what we're talking about. I don't, I don't think anything happened. Ladies and gentlemen... Steve Eisenman is coming home to Detroit. <laughs> oh, that felt so good to say out loud. I've been wanting to say that into the mic for what seems like months now. Years. We should have just started this episode by playing that song, I'm coming home. Oh, there's 11 different coming home songs that I want to start out with. It felt like it was so out of the blue, but not out of the blue. Out of the red. So out of the red. Out of the no, he's out of the blue. That's and true. into the red. True. Okay, true. so let's I'm gonna give you guys a rundown of how this happened for us. Cause I, I think that's important for you to know A, why we didn't do an emergency podcast, and B, the amount of insanity that's been going on in our heads. So over the past few weeks, couple months, um, we've had a couple sources, without going into too much detail, kind of hint at this happening. Like in earnest with some specifics. Now, wait, we have sources. Are we legitimate now? I, as I was, <laughs> and, and I'll get to that. So, and obviously, we're not going to report on anything that we're not 100% solid on. We're not, you know, official beat writers or anything, but we, I think we have a, a responsibility when we put, we deal in facts. That's, we always try to do that on the show. And so, sitting on that, it was getting interesting, but there was nothing really solid. And over the past three days, Brad, you and I have received like like what five, at Dif- least a half dozen yeah. messages. I got three personally in my personal uh, inbox. Yeah, and from sources that we know and talk to, and people who reached out to us. Yeah, and we were sitting on it on at we we knew this was happening Thursday night. We knew this was happening, and Brad and I were going back and forth. Like this was corroborated a lot of different ways, but we couldn't get the one hundred percent confirmation. Yeah, and he, I. We, t- we have an interview with Max later, and, and I go over it with him as well. But um, the one, a couple things backed us off, and one of them was no one, none of the major names were picking this up. And I asked Max, I was like, hey, man, is there any noise on this? Because we, this is what we have, and we want to go with it, but we're, not unless we're 100% certain. Yeah. And that would have brought us to 100%. And Max said, legitimately zero things I have heard. My, my favorite was we, we had an email. No name attached to it, a created fake email that just said, hey, guys, giving you a heads up, this is happening tomorrow. And we're like, how can we report on that? Right? Well, that corroborated other <laughs> things because that we, we had. had already heard it. We're, we were because I get a text message from Ryan. It's 10 to midnight on Thursday. And he's like, man, do we run with this? Because we had been talking about it for a little bit because I had one guy message me earlier in the evening. And Ryan, I think, had one guy earlier in the evening say it. And we we're like, that's we, that's not enough to go on. And then we had the few more come in and we're like, oh, man. Cause, and I even went to Ryan. I'm like, if, if there's one major source that has already kind of hinted at this on Twitter, we should blast the crap out of this. And I 
looked all nothing yeah. not a peep not tsn not sportsnet not fox sports detroit not the athletic nobody and i'm like man we can't we can't burn ourselves no. on this when we can't do it and that it, you know what it was fine it felt bizarre writing sources have confirmed to us like when i was yeah. i just drafted something in case we went with it and i wrote yeah. that i went oh i'm gonna have to explain that one later <laughs> yeah. it was funny because i was listening to the bob mckenzie podcast on wednesday or thursday yeah he released yeah. it on and wednesday they talked about it here he talked about it and it sounded like he had nothing no he made a couple of jokes about how people were talking about how you he was scouting guys that were way out of tampa bay's range yeah. which hinted at it but that was that's about the tier of information everyone's been working with. Anyways, we knew Thursday night we knew this was coming. And essentially we were like, we can't report on this, but we want to be ready. But we're happy. But we're happy. <laughs> I said, I went, we ended up going to bed at what, 2 a.m. because we were up all night. Like, it was late. It. I remember literally I was falling asleep. I seen my phone light up one more time from you. So I just kind of rolled over, answered whatever you said, and I was out. Yeah. And I set alarms going back to 6.45 in the morning so we could be up and prepared to run with this. And I get up at like 6.28 and it had already broken 30 minutes before. I'm like, damn it, Stevie. <laughs> Give us a break. Who does that on a Friday morning? That Well, Max was saying, he's like, this is how it's going to happen. We're going to know 30 minutes before there's going to be an announcement that in three hours it's going to be announced. And that's it. Like, that's how Steve Eisman rolls. And he was right. And you know what? The fact that we missed our opportunity to be the first ones to break the Steve Eisman news means nothing to us. You know why? Because Stevie's back. Stevie's back. Stevie's back. The captain's home. Before we get all crazy sentimental with you we'll break to our interview with max boltman uh, who took time out of his game of thrones binge uh, to chat with us uh and then we'll be back with you after to uh wax poetic about all things stevie welcome to the winged wheel podcast we are here uh with max boltman friend of the dub dub max from the athletic detroit mac you, max max thanks for coming on uh you've had a busy weekend yeah, yeah, a lot of Game of Thrones, and that's about the only thing I've been doing. Uh, nothing, no, nothing else going on. So, without getting too much into the story, um, Max, I messaged you uh, the night before the Eisenman news came out because uh, Brad and I had some things that we were hearing, and I said, Max, are you hearing any noise? And I said off the record first. Um, are, are are you hearing any noise about any big event or announcement happening tomorrow? And you're like, no, no, I, I got nothing. And uh, I was like, oh, yeah. And, and I mentioned what we were hearing about the, the possible Eisenman news and this whole big press conference. And you're like, no, the uh, the way press conferences work is this. <laughs> okay, well, my, okay, here's here's what, here's how I'll defend myself to this. Number one, I will say, <laughs> like, you guys clearly have some good sources and consider this an open call to, uh, to share them. Um, <laughs> but, uh, Ryan messaged me and was like, have you heard anything about people at LCA setting up a press conference? And that's like a kind of a common thing for people to hear right around the time. There's like a coaching search usually, or in this case, you know, a GM search, but the way it works at LCA is every press conference I've ever been to at LCA is in one room and it's always set up for a press conference because that's its whole purpose. So my thought was like, no, I don't think they would have had to set anything up. They just would have swapped out the Pistons backdrop for the Red Wings one. <laughs> and uh, so, so lo and behold, I, I dismissed the idea. I get woken up. I, I was staying up late that night to write a story that obviously got pushed back <laughs> um, and will hopefully be out this week, but who knows. Um, so I was up to like 3.30, and then like 7, my girlfriend called me from Pennsylvania. She was on the road there uh, 
doing like an assignment was like, Hey, the Eisenman thing happened. My first thought was like, Oh shit, Ryan was right. <laughs> so, so I, but, but I still, I still was always like, all right, well, at least I, I'm pretty confident that, you know, I wasn't wrong because of my reasoning, which was that they wouldn't have had to do anything for the press conference. When we get to LCA and sure enough, they have set up a press conference in a completely different room to accommodate <laughs> the sheer mass of media. So you guys, you guys are dead on. It was, uh, it was definitely Red Wings management going, uh, this will be Max's biggest press conference since he started at the Athletic. Let's screw with them. <laughs> um, you were there, so yeah. How does it feel to be on uh, national television in Canada? Oh, truly horrible! Uh, <laughs> truly horrible. <laughs> I was like, I know that guy. Um, the Eisenman news aside, uh, walk us through the press conference. What was the the feel in the room? Um, I heard uh, reporters. I heard there's clapping. Or like I heard the clapping in the room. I'm like, that's kind of bizarre for a press conference. Yeah, it, it wasn't the reporters. So, so that's like part of the deal. It's like the room's packed with like just kind of like I don't want to call them like dignitaries, but that's basically like you know Darren McCarty's in there, Zetterberg's mm-hmm. in there, Draper's in there, just kind of people in like the Red Wings community. All the Olympia Entertainment people are in there. So that's where you hear the clapping, but it's always a little embarrassing as like a reporter because you're worried that people are going to think that like the reporters are clapping, which would <laughs> obviously be a huge, huge no. Uh, in our business. So that is, that is what happened there. But it, I mean, it was an interesting day. Like it was, I think a lot of people, because of the anticipation, it was kind of a lot of people kind of exchanging like laughs of like, well, I guess it happened a lot quicker than any of us thought it was going to happen. And, and then it was pretty much right to business. And it was, the press conference was long. I mean, it was an hour at the podium and then another half hour kind of trying to grab people off to the side. It was, it was an event for sure. So the the question that you asked, uh, Steve, do you want to just go over it with the – well, first of all, was that your first time ever speaking with Steve Eisenman? Yes, it was, yeah. <laughs> first of many. Yeah, so – yeah, uh, we'll see. I, I've heard that he kind of keeps things close to the vest. I, I think uh, I think it will be quite interesting to see how that, how that plays out, how the flow of information changes from one um, one reign to the next. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I, I asked him – because I think this is going to be a really interesting thing is I asked him how long in the past he, he it has taken or how long he feels it'll take to get fully familiar with uh, the the full organizational system, whether that you know, the players in Detroit, obviously, but also the prospects at every level from the AHL to the guys who played junior this year and just feel comfortable with what, you know, what he thinks of them and, and in order to kind of create a vision for what he wants to do. He seemed to think it would be pretty smooth, aided by the fact that he obviously has really good relationships already with with so many people who are staying on. It seems like, I mean, you know, Ken Holland moving into the senior VP means he'll have the person who last held his job around, you know, to to ask about those questions. Um, as of right now, everyone's still in place, so he'll be able to kind of get familiar with all those all those things. And he seemed to think he could do it in, in a couple to a few months, which which is important when you look at the timeline for the draft and for free agency. Um, and I'm curious to see what that means for the timeline of, of when he actually starts making moves. He made four before the start of training camp, his first year in Tampa, four trades. So I'm very curious to see how it'll play out. Now, the uh, first of all, uh, big applause to you because we were chatting as, as the day's news was going on. And um, obviously, you were very busy. You had to travel from Grand Rapids to Detroit on very short notice. And um, you go to the press conference, everything, and you still cranked out a 4,000-word article. unfortunately i was already in detroit like i live in ferndale so i was only in grand rapids last week doing that that story with the griffins like behind the 
uh, when I like kind of went behind the scenes with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I was back in Detroit for that. I was only 15 minutes from the rink, which was fortunate. I, I did not have the two and a half hours to spare on that day. Cause yeah, basically from that point, you know, I did a live chat and then around 10 AM I started that story on, uh, the moves from Tampa that could be applied to Detroit. And that was basically took me right up until the press conference. So yeah, I did not have the time to spare for that. <laughs> Now, about that article, um, you, you raised some really important points um, that I think, not that anything that was brought up on that day was unimportant, but these are some of the more specific, uh, unique perspectives that were taken on Eisenman that I found to be really valuable. Uh, the the header uh, surrounding himself with smart people I thought was fascinating because you actually, I think, hit the nail on the head talking about um, the culture he drives of, of uh, building a brain trust and especially some specific people. Uh, like his uh, Murray, who I believe was his head of scouting over in Tampa. Uh, talk about what that looked like for Eisman and what that could look like as he moves to Detroit. Yeah, well, what's interesting is one of the things with the changeover is that, you know, that usually the new GM is going to try to bring some people that he already knows with him. And that matters for a lot of reasons, um, as it does in, in pretty much any job in, in hockey or any industry. You want to have people that you trust. So, he when he went to Tampa, I know that he put an offer out to Ryan Martin to come with him, who's now Detroit's assistant GM. He successfully put an offer out to Pat Verbeek, who, who came with him to Tampa to join him. So so the natural question is, are any of these people in Tampa who have been a part of what's become one of the best-run organizations in all of sports, are any of them going to come back to Detroit? And Verbeek's a name that a lot of people are naturally really curious about because of how close those two are. Uh, Al Murray is probably the, the, the name that would cause the most celebration if he were to come back to Detroit with him just because of how much success the Lightning had, uh, you know, in, in finding stars in those, those are, you know, early middle rounds of the draft to even the undrafted realm. Um, and that is the biggest thing to watch at this point going forward. I think now Craig, uh, my boss asked, asked Steve at the press conference, you know, do you plan to bring anyone? Would you like to bring anyone? And Eiserman kind of said, it, it's always tough. I, I think I have an idea what I want to do, but usually to make people move organizations, you usually can't get them to move to do the same job. I thought that was a really interesting comment. That would suggest that, you know, maybe it is kind of tough to, to convince someone like Al Murray to switch from being Tampa's head of scouting to Detroit's head of scouting. Like, like how can you sell that? Right. I mean, and frankly, I, I think there's even a rule that says, you have to ask for permission. Like, like why would Tampa grant permission to just take someone to do the same role? Usually you would do it when someone's offered a promotion because you want to, you know, in the interest of morale, show employees, you'll allow them to advance their careers. So to me, that's going to be one of the most interesting things to watch. I mean, could, could they, is there a promotion that they could offer um, Al Murray? Now I think our uh, lightning writer reported Joe Smith that there is an opt-out clause in Murray's contract that trigger that is triggered by Eiserman leaving, um, and I, that I think is this summer. So that could be a difference maker there if, if they don't have to ask for permission for that. But I, I think that is probably the single biggest thing to watch. Who is Eiserman going to bring in? What is he going to do in the way of analytics? Which is something I asked Chris, Chris Illich about. Um, these are the next the next bits of news that are going to make the biggest impact on the Red Wings front office. So obviously we know that um, he's going to bring in whoever he can bring in. But one of the other things you mentioned in your article was um, more so specifically the Martin St. Louis situation, how he wasn't shy to move away from a a fan favorite. So obviously one of the big sticking points for a lot of Red Wings fans lately has been the log jam of 
bad contracts from, you know, let, let's, the players themselves can be popular enough, but obviously the fan base is starting to turn on them. And you mentioned even that when he got to Tampa, he made four trades before training camp even opened. What's your prediction for what he's going to do um, in terms of the next four months specifically with those bad contracts? I'm I'm kind of fascinated to see that too. I, I think there'd probably be two different categories for that. Like there's the advocator category that I like, what can you even do with that contract? Right? Like at, at that number for that term, a buyout doesn't make sense. Like you're hurting yourself more, I think at that point. Um, but there's that other tier that we're talking, you know, Erickson daily. Um, I might be forgetting someone, but I don't think I am where, where I think a buyout is a realistic option. There is the trade Avenue option. There is even the just, you know, wave option because, because there's so, um, there's so little consequence to you for, for that at this point, like, because, because the contract that you'd be replacing those deals with is presumably Dennis Chalowski's, you know, 800,000 or whatever dollar cap hit dollar contract. Uh, you can do pretty much whatever you want, I think in terms of managing those, those contracts. So I am very curious to see how he handles that when he comes in and does his, self scout on the organization is is that something that where we see him say yeah based on what i know about Dennis Chalowski and what i know about let's say Jonathan Erickson um this is what i want to do with that i think it's more important to have Chalowski in i think that's what a lot of fans would like to see i think that's what makes the most sense to me personally um but i'm curious to see how how he approaches it i based on what he did in Tampa i don't see any reason to think his decision is going to be based on uh on sentimentality or anything like that. Not, not to say that it would have been necessarily for, for Holland or, or, or the management team prior to that, but I feel pretty confident that, that it won't be uh, under this, this, uh, what do you call it? Management group. Now a big, uh, a big thing that I noticed, well, I, everyone noticed was that when Eisenman went up there, they did an excellent job of recognizing the work of Ken Holland while Eisenman still made clear what his plan was, which is, yeah. was a huge frame shift from what we've been hearing for the past I mean, decade, but really last last few months about uh, the way this team was going to move forward. Um, there's been a lot of, we saw a lot of good things about this team. We are hoping we can be competitive for the playoffs next year. And, you know, there was there was merit to that argument. It wasn't necessarily the opinion that we hold on the show, but uh, there's definitely people advocating for that, including Ken Holland and Chris Illich. And then when Eisenman got up there, it was all, no, this team is not in a place to be competitive. There's a process that needs to take place. This is going to take a, like a while. We need your patience. Um, and so do you kind of get the same sense that we do that now the Cronwalls and Vanix aren't so likely to be re-signed moving forward? And, and do you feel like even though it's going to be kind of business as usual because of those Albatross contracts, are there going to be those tiny switches where, you know, Eisenman is not the general manager to bring back Nick Cronwall at this point in his career? Yeah, I mean, you know, I never thought they were bringing Vanek back, so that yeah. I maintain the thought that they won't bring Vanek back. Um, Cromwell, I'm, I'm I'm curious to see about that too. I I guess there would probably be, but Steve, you know, Iserman would have played with Cromwell, right? So they they do have a relationship, certainly. I would think um, they played together, right? Am I, am I wrong about that? Uh, Maybe a year or two overlap. I think oh three oh four was Cromwell's rookie season, so they would have played oh five oh six together. Right, and then Eisenman would have been already in the you know in the management group in his term as an assistant to, to Holland when Cromwell was in his heyday. Yeah, so they'll have a relationship. Um, obviously, I don't think he's going to let 
the relationship affect his decision, but I think he, I think he'll kind of probably approach it in a fairly similar way to be completely honest. I, I think, I don't think it's going to be about, um, you know, the thousand games mark for Iserman might be for Cromwell, but I think that decision is going to start with number one, whether Cromwell thinks he can play. I mean, he did just have his best season in a few years. And I think, you know, I think we can agree he was not the, you know, he was not even one of the bottom two defensemen on that team last year. So uh, if it's a one year, if it's a one year deal situation, I'm not even so sure that bringing Cromwell back is, is the worst move. As long as there's a, a matching move on the defense to make sure that it doesn't block the path for someone like Chalosky. Like, I think it's clear to me that Chalosky and Hronik need to be, you know, 65 plus game regulars. Hronik needs to play every game he's healthy for next year. And Chalosky needs to get, you know, at least 60 to 70 games. Um, so as long as, as long as it's not blocking the path for one of those two guys, I don't see a reason that Cromwell doesn't make sense on the team, to be honest. Um, I know that's not always a popular take because of kind of what it's looked like for the past you know few years, but this year I thought he was fine. I didn't think he was the biggest issue. And if the number is reasonable and the, the term is one year, I would think that that would be, um, I think that's a reasonable thing for him to consider from a pure hockey standpoint. So kind of branching off what Ryan said, um, obviously with Ken Holland moving up to a higher position, which um, <laughs> was was split on how the Red Wings fan base handled Holland staying within the organization. I, I personally was happy because I think this organization owes a lot to Ken Holland. But him still being there and him, I'm not going to say having a completely different philosophy on how to build a team than Eisenman because we don't really know that. But based on everything that's been said over the last couple of years, it does appear that they do have different philosophies. Did you get a sense of what the dynamic between those two is going to be uh, when it comes down to the decision-making process? So, see, I, I think they feel like they have similar philosophies. I, I think that, and certainly based on what Holland said at locker cleanout day, was actually pretty similar to what Eiserman said at the opening press conference. So I think, I know that Eiserman thinks of Holland as a mentor. Um, I think that they would tell you they have you know, some, some philosophical similarities. What I would say maybe the differences are, are in uh, Iserman kind of clearly in, in Tampa showed a, a, a skill predisposition, I guess, and, and basically every cat. Like there's no one on the Lightning's roster that I would say is not like a skill first player. You know what I mean? Um, I think that's something that in team building is, is going to be something I think you'll see you know, Otto Kivenmaki had, had a really incredible finish to the year. Like, that's in, in a story that I have coming up. Like, I think he had a stretch where he had 12 points in 13 games in Finland's men's league in the last mm-hmm. two months of the season. Um, he's a guy who I'm really curious to see what Eiserman makes of him because you can kind of see I, – I, I wonder if, if he's a guy who maybe – obviously, the, this, the Holland uh, management team drafted him, so they liked him. I'm curious to see if he's a guy that we start to hear more about in um, the next year, not only maybe because of who's in charge, but because Kivenmaki's – getting a little bit uh, more advanced in his own play. Um, so I think that maybe is an area that you'll see in, in maybe the Tampa philosophy of that. I really want to know about the analytics situation I, that I don't know exactly what the situation was in Tampa, but I know they have, they had someone on staff who was like the director of analytics for, for his whole tenure. I don't think that position exists in Detroit. There's something like research and data. Um, now that doesn't mean they're not using analytics, which I always feel like I have to clarify for people. I don't know whether or not they are, but I, I think there's, there's a good reason that teams wouldn't want you to know if they were. And so um, at the very least, I'm pretty sure Tampa was. So that's the, those are the big areas that I'm curious to see the difference in. You asked Chris Illich about uh, the analytics 
uh, side of things. And um, as you've become accustomed to doing, you kind of qualified the tone of his answer because it came through in plain text. Uh, Can you walk us through what what his answer, how it actually came off? Because admittedly, when I read it, it wasn't terribly inspiring. Yeah, um, I don't think it was inspiring in real life either, but it, it wasn't as like negative as I think people wanted to, to hear it. Um, basically, he said, you know, we'll see, and that he it was something that he had talked to Eiserman about. Um, he They've installed it, you know, with the Tigers. Chris Hilch also owns the Tigers uh, over the last few years, and so he said he feels like he's knowledgeable um, about analytics in that regard. It seems like something that he, having already put money into one of his teams, I would think he would be fairly open-minded to doing it um, on this team. The, the just, But I would say, frankly, like the difference, not this is a reason not to do it, but from a business perspective, one thing I could see is baseball analytics are so much farther along than hockey analytics in terms of knowing what you need. Well, baseball has a movie. A hesitant. What's that? Baseball has a whole movie. <laughs> That's right, exactly. Hockey doesn't have a money puck at all. No. Um, but uh, but I, I, maybe that makes it easier as a businessman knowing which things you need to invest in. But I, I think that's also pretty clear in hockey right now. It's, it's player tracking. It's all of these things that are right now happening that the Red Wings need to get in on. I, I don't think there's any doubt they need to get in on that frontier. They cannot miss this wave. So I, I can see why Illich would have not wanted to tip the hand there i but i would think that that has to be an area um at least in my opinion what it would have to be explored uh it really thoroughly now uh another thing that came up through that press conference uh, everyone saw darren mccarty there uh obviously chris draper will be seen at any major team event uh sergey fedorov was a name that was floating around quite a bit and i think a lot of it was the fan base riding on a wave of nostalgia but it's it's not unknown that sergey fedorov is a guy who uh, doesn't exactly have a home right now in, in hockey management, nothing too solid. And it's been rumored that he would like to find a place. Do you see any connection between Eisman and Fedorov and possibly uh, Fedorov making amends with the organization and, and coming back? I haven't heard absolutely nothing about it, but as we know, uh, you may be more likely to get that on a Twitter DM <laughs> or something. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I haven't heard anything about that. Um, I, I don't know anything about it. But given that Eiserman has a relationship with Fedorov, are we going to finally see 91 in the rafters? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if that's the GM's call to make, you know. Like, I, as far as I know, the ownership group still has kind of primary say on that. I don't know if you guys read Craig's story um, around the Red Kelly announcement when Jimmy DeVolano was talking about um, why maybe Fedorov's number should not be expected to go up anytime soon. I think that was a incredibly revealing article. Mm-hmm. So I would say my guess would be the, the hiring of the GM doesn't change that, but I also feel like, you know, a lot can change. So you never know, but I, I wouldn't, I, because I haven't heard anything about, you know, him, him being out of the front office. Um, I would have a hard time saying like, it's going to be like some immediate changeover certainly too. Now, last question before we let you go here. Um, Ken Holland moving up into a, a senior position is obviously something, one of the, the more likely outcomes that people have been talking about for some time. What is your take on, on how it, this is going to stick? I don't think anyone questions Holland's dedication to the organization, but there are going to be some really intriguing avenues opening up soon. Edmonton immediately, Seattle down the road. Um, GMs are always being moved around. So so what's your feel on on 
where Ken Holland will be in, in a year or two? Yeah, it's a really interesting question. I mean, Craig had a great article on this too about he he talked to Ken Holland um, while we were all chasing after Chris Illich and Steve Eiserman. Craig does what has made Craig one of the best hockey writers in the world for the last decade, which is he went where the story was that nobody else was, and that was to Ken Holland. So they spoke. There's some really good quotes in that article, but you know, I I have to think that if you know, there's there's one or two ways to look at it. It's a guy who absolutely loves working for the Detroit Red Wings. You could see him emotional on that stage beyond a shadow of a doubt. You could read that as a guy who is that committed to the organization and wants to stay there. Or you could read it as a guy who, who still feels like he's got the itch to manage. And I, you know, I don't know the answer to, to what, what that's going to look like. I kind of feel like gut instinct. I think I might be a little surprised if, if, if the Seattle opportunity, for example, was on the table and the opportunity to build something from scratch. I feel like that would have to be appealing. But at the same time, if, if he wants to be a Red Wing for life and, you know, for all the all the things that he has said this year about how much he loves his job, that that cannot be discounted either. Um, I, I would have a hard time thinking that he wouldn't that opportunity would not be afforded to him. All right, Max Boltman, everyone. Max, we'll have you back on. Uh, we chatted. We'll have you back on pretty soon. Um, Max mentioned a few articles on The Athletic, guys. I know we keep saying this, but honestly, the past few days are as good a reason as any for you to go if you're not already a member of The Athletic. The Athletic Detroit, Max, Craig, everyone else are putting out great pieces about Eiserman and Moore. Uh, check out Max's stuff. The guy hasn't slept much lately. Give him a break. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, Max, Thanks, for coming guys. on. We'll have you back soon. All right, welcome back to the show, everyone. That was Max Boltman. Thank you, Max, for uh, taking the time out of your day. Max, who didn't watch any Game of Thrones during the near two-year hiatus and is just now catching up on the show. He's a madman. <laughs> he's he's a scholar for sure. Um, so we talked about a lot of things in that interview, and it's uh, it's important that we heard it from an objective, you know, a reporter side of things, but... Coming from from us, where we feel better about being fans, that was perfect, right? That whole press conference was perfect. For context, I uh, I spent my entire day uh, at home basically tweeting, catching up with the news, and I was supposed to be driving back to Windsor. And by the time the news slowed down, I got on the road, and I had to get off and find a Starbucks to watch the press conference. And so I'm, <laughs> I'm sitting in public, looking like crap. I haven't showered um, in a hoodie, like eating a ginger molasses cookie. In a, a, a mm, Those are good. They are really good. The Starbucks changed the reward system. It only costs you 50 stars, so $25. Oh, my God, that was an expensive cookie. <laughs> um, and, I, and I'm watching this press conference, and I'm sitting there thinking, all right, try to find some things here that like maybe are worth talking about. Not, I wasn't looking for anything negative, but I was like, don't let your happiness cloud your judgment, but it was perfect. It was. And he said all the right things there. There, when, when Kenny talks, we always would break it down. Well, this is good. This is bad. Yada, yada, yada. Steve, he's like, Nope, this is going to take time. We need patience. I was surprised as how many of the Red Wings prospects he rattled off just off the top of his head. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, stating how the future was bright. So that was, very reassuring. And one thing that was, uh, I think it came out after, or no, it was during the press conference. Detroit was talking with Stevie about this in March. That surprised me. It, so here's the breakdown. Um, we People kept asking us, when is this going to happen? When is this going to happen? Um, what needs to happen? By rule, what need to have happened was Detroit would have had to ask 
Tampa Bay's permission, which they did, to talk to him because Steve Eisman was still under contract with them until July 1st. Now, conventionally, what teams do is they don't let major parts of their brain trust go before the draft. It's just a rule. You don't let it happen. I think Toronto did the same thing with... Um, Mark Hunter, when he left, when they chose Dubis over Hunter, you know, I don't think they they released him to talk to other teams until afterwards. He ended up going to the London Knights, so that, that was a moot point. But still, it's generally a good rule. You don't let your brain trust go before the draft. It seems like this whole advisor role that Steve Eisman's been taking on was essentially just like the whole year was a transition out period. And it seems like since January, Eisman has not had an active period working directly with the team. Because for them to approve it in March meant that he wasn't there in the day-to-day for their playoff and their then-at-the-time hopeful Stanley Cup run. Now we know why Tampa got swept. <laughs> That's exactly why. You let go of Stevie too early. And, and I, I tweeted this out, and I don't think we had an episode where we said it, but Bob McKenzie said on his podcast that uh, a lot of scouts were joking that, uh, oh man, Tampa Bay must be trying to trade up to like a top five pick because Steve Eisman is spending a lot of time scouting Cousins, Doc, Turcotte, you know, Jack Hughes. And now we know Steve Eisman was doing that on his own time and dollar to be prepared because he knew this move was coming. Doesn't that give you just like this radiance? I've, I've All trying, the warm fuzzies. I've been trying to find the words to describe how I felt on Friday. I don't think I stopped smiling the whole day. This is the happiest the Red Wings fan base has been since they won the Cup in 08. It is literally the biggest news the Detroit Red Wings have had since 2008. It's probably almost on the same level as when Zadina fell to us. I oh, was pretty fired up. Far beyond Zadina. It's, it's bigger. Really? I would say it's bigger because Zadina's one player and one hell of a player but a good GM fundamentally changes your organization. I didn't say it was the same. I said it was a similar feeling. Oh, yeah. Yeah, where the entire fan base was just united in being overjoyed. Okay, here's the thing. And we're going to talk about Ken Holland. Um, and we're not going to mince words about what Ken Holland was to this team before and what he is now and what he is moving forward. But we'll get to that. This is... It is like a blanket or a shroud or a, a dark cloud ahead of us has been removed from this team. It is genuine. As Steve Eisman was talking, I'm like, I feel like I'm watching a brand new hockey team right now. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm looking at and talking about and analyzing a brand new organization. No, Steve Eisman didn't get up there and say, you know, Ken Holland's work was a mess and I have a lot to fix and, you know, this is going to be shit. Steve Eisman got up there, spoke his message, talked about the realities of the situation, and it was just those things where there was no mental gymnastics, there was no stretch, there was no, you know, trying to justify some kind of marginal opinion. It was plain, simple facts. It was back to the basics. Here are the things that objectively need to happen and need to happen the right way, and here's how I think we should do them. And it was just all of the right things. We, we're not going to go out and you know spend a ton of money or, or tie our hands to make ourselves a little better next year. This team isn't right now in a place where we can compete for a cup, but we have good pieces to work with, which is when he rattled off those names. Um, this isn't an easy process. If we could do it quicker, we would, but that's just not a reality in today's NHL. And then you look at Steve Eisenman's pedigree. The guy drafts, drafts, signs, and promotes talent, and he has no qualms about how old they are. Look at the way Tampa Bay has constructed their team with young guys on cheap ELCs or first or second contracts that don't cost them a ton of money, coupled with their, their superstars. Skill- that didn't work out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Well, they have a cup finals and a couple conference finals in the last four years. And like we said, going into any given season from last year up until like for the next three years, they'll be the Stanley Cup favorite. Just based yeah. on talent alone. Uh, what, like I said, unless another team does something dramatic this offseason, I'm picking Tampa to win the Cup next year. He's... The guy is... is. If you're worried about the old boys club and, and you know, old school hockey and you know the worst parts of the Red Wing way and all the kind of things that kind of hamper the Edmontons and, and the, well, I guess, Detroits of the world, this is, that is not Steve Eisman. No, Steve Eisman is... So the entire Red Wings organization, for a lot of their strengths, one of their weaknesses over the past little while has been this defensive player, reliable mindset. Mm-hmm. They they overvalue the Luke Lendennings, the Darren Helms, the Christopher Ends of the world, and then the grit factors, the Luke Wikowskis, et cetera. Look at Tampa. They have a few defensemen on there that fit that mold, but look at the forwards. Every player comes from a skill like has a good skill set. Even their role players who they put in on that fourth line, like your Cedric Paquette, your Ryan Callahan. Yeah. Those guys are asked to play the grinder role, but those are skill players who transitioned into that role. Yeah. If you have talent, you can teach a player to shift a role. You can't teach a player to have natural talent. He, they don't possess. So Stevie's and look at, Yanni Gord, Tyler Johnson, two of the biggest assets on Tampa's roster right now. Undrafted, undersized, high-scoring CHL free agents. Another one they just signed this year, uh, or last summer, sorry. Alex Barre-Boulet, an overage CHL player who led the Q in scoring last year. Just won AHL Player of the Year, or won the scoring title in the AHL. This isn't a mistake. This is what he targets. Yeah. This is how you build a winner. You get as much skill as you possibly can, and then you figure out what role, what spot you need to fill. You you know something else that I loved was Eisenman. You know, he, the guy's not a, an inherently amazing public speaker, but people were ripping on him. I thought he did just fine up there for probably the biggest press conference oh, of his yeah. life. Yeah. Um, Everybody but, stutters a little bit. Yeah. He talked about... Um, the fact, like, I think he made pretty clear. He's like, I want to be GM. I like making the decisions. I like being in charge. And I'm like, I'm so happy that he said that because there was all that talk about, oh, hold man. on. We got to put a pause on this. Mika, come here. Do you want to show them your shirt first, though? Can you see your shirt, Mika? He wants to show his shirt. Sorry, Mika wants to show them their sh- her shirt. Ba- what the fuck? <laughs> I told you it's the happiest episode ever. What the fuck? <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> it's been a good weekend, my friend. What the <laughs> Hey, at least you caught on right away this time. Yeah, I did catch on right away this time. Mika, are you going to be a big sister? You're going to be a big sister? Do you want a, do you want a little brother or a little sister? sister. A little sister. sister? Little sister. Oh, oh my, my God. For anybody who's not clued in yet, uh, Mika came downstairs wearing a shirt that says best sister in the universe. Congratulations, guys. Hey, Brad. Ah, yeah. oh, thanks, buddy. Oh, God. Congrats, Did we vote on this? Are we right? Oh, <laughs> my God. Congrats, not, not the best audio content, but I felt it was worth doing on the air again. I again. Like, I was like, Brad's really happy about Mika. There's, I'm going to have to. That's true. Mika, <laughs> Mika's coming downstairs. Why isn't Brad doing anything? Yep. It was planned. I don't remember seeing a Twitter poll about this. No. <laughs> you, 
So now I'm going to be, what, the sixth most popular in here? Because there's going to be you 2 Crystal, Mika, and Baby 2. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Man, I just, I'm not playing this well for myself. Mika wants a little sister. What do you want for Mika? I do not care. That's a good man. What a weekend for you. I know, right? Look Don't worry, that. guys. We're getting back to the Eisenman conversation eventually. But <laughs> yeah, you know what? There was a good 14 seconds in there. When you guys hear it, uh, you it won't be in there. But we'll all have to clip out because I just kind of sat there going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is why we record for YouTube now. I what, was very confused. What's happening? <laughs> That's oh man. We need a bigger basement. We need a bigger basement. <laughs> we need a studio <laughs> oh. so badly, dude. Dude, where am you? We you we need bigger space. I got another kids' room coming in. I have to Mika's playroom is now going to be another bedroom. Where does all that stuff go? Oh my goodness! I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to babysit. You're gonna have to babysit two kids. Oh God. Oh Evan, we need one of those. Uh, uh, yeah. A couple of those. Oh. Baby Carlos. Yeah. Things. Yeah. Yeah. If it's a boy, do I name it Stevie? No. You have to. <laughs> you have to. Back to see. Okay, so. For those of you who maybe still haven't caught on, Brad has a second on the way, and he announced it on the podcast. Again, as is tradition. As is tradition. We're done. There will be no more after this. <laughs> Jesus. I'm... This has already been such an emotionally... I told you, best weekend ever. How... My, mind you, best weekend ever for the news. I've been holding this in for almost three months yeah, now. Yeah. <laughs> How smug were you knowing that this was going to happen this way? You know what? I didn't like I knew for about a month this was the episode that we were going to let you know on cuz as is true you 12 weeks is usually when you announce yeah, yeah. and Crystal's 12 weeks like tomorrow. So we're like, okay, this is the episode. And then this Stevie news broke on Friday. I'm like, oh my god. This is going to be the best episode ever. Like oh I said, god. no noteworthy news has happened with the episodes. <laughs> Oh my God! Where were we about Eisenman? Oh, Eisenman yeah. saying he want he likes being in charge, and yeah. there was all the news about him maybe wanting to to be a president of New York, the the Rangers, or uh, Friedman thought he would want to come in and be president of Hockey Ops. Stop grinning! <laughs> I love watching your brain. Like, no, no, got to get back to normal here. He got one president of Hockey Ops with Verbeek as GM, or things like that. And you know what? I don't blame people for thinking that. Aside. I'm going to take a big fat I told you so on the on the New York story. And this isn't a shot at any journalist or whoever put it out there. Now, before, with that story, was it reported that the Rangers were interested or that Iserman was interested? Because they reported that they said, well, the way they said it, it was so they could have plausible deniability. But how it was written was people from source, the, the sources were people who were familiar with Iserman's thinking thought that he would be amenable to being wooed for the president position. Oh, yeah, because it came, it's come out since the interview. He declined to even be interviewed he for the position. He turned down the interview. Yeah, not the job, the interview. Like, yeah. don't even talk to me. Which means he was not, indeed, amenable to being wooed for the position. <laughs> and it's fine. They didn't hurt anyone, but it was just so obviously, like, opportunistic, shallow, nothing. Like, the whole thing was a nothing burger. I know Steve looked at me like, I was, Steve Dangle looked at me like I was crazy for saying that, but it was just nothing burger. So to hear him <coughs> kind of come out and say, I want to be GM, I want to be making these decisions, and then my favorite, let's get to work. There was this cosmic poetry to how it all went down. There was no, I evaluated all my options and I had to take, you know, legacy over some better offers that were out there. He, Steve Eisman has wanted to come home through and through. 
And I'm that shone through the entire. He said when he left, he thought he wouldn't get, get the opportunity for 100 years because when he left, Jim Nill was next in line before he left for Dallas. And he was like, well, when, if and when Ken Holland retires, Jim Nill is going to step in. I'm not going to get the chance to be Jim for 100 years. This is a guy that has wanted to bring success back to Detroit. This is a guy that wants to lead the team out of the hole it's in and bring the Stanley Cup home back to Detroit. He knew what he was doing when he said, let's get to work. Oh, yeah. And he's ready to go. But it's funny. I think the fan base has the same mentality, too, because that stupid tweet I sent out about Steve Eisman walking into the press conference ready to rebuild the Red Wings. And then I had the WWE wrestler, uh, the Godfather, just kicking in a door. <laughs> it's true. Is now my most liked tweet of all time. <laughs> oh, man. Did you, see, did you see my meme with the uh, the dancing with the uh, baby, uh, the Breakbot song? Breakbot song? Oh. oh, yeah, yeah. I saw that one. That's at 3,700. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. It really is a catchy song. That that song, if you guys haven't, it's it's my pinned tweet on my account. It's just stupid dancing all over a city, which is pretty much what we we're all doing. Yeah. My pinned tweet is Mika after shitting herself. Yes. That's the great <laughs> thing about a second kid. You know how much my clout goes up when Mika says silly things like, no, I farted. <laughs> and I get them on camera. Now I have two of those. You've got double the opportunity for quality Twitter content. Oh, my goodness. Every time Mika barges into an episode, people are like, this is amazing. We love this is the content we come here for. And I'm like, oh, God, kid, you're making me do so much editing. <laughs> <laughs> Can't edit today, though. Now, Eisenman coming in, we, uh, we, we chatted with Max about Al Murray, his uh, director of uh, amateur scouting over in Tampa Bay. And Al Murray was the guy behind a lot of the, the great picks they had. You know, the Yanni Gourds, you find a, a first or second line quality center in whatever round. Um that would be a huge get. Pat Verbeek would be a huge get. Sergey Fedorov, you know, integrating him in the organization could be really beneficial to the team. And it's important to note, too, that a lot of late round picks, even most scouts will tell you are dumb luck. Uh, I think Max even put in his article the great story about how high they were on Braden Point. Because they picked Braden Point 79th overall in the third round, but Tampa had pick 80. So when it got up to, I can't remember the team that was picking before him, um, Tampa was absolutely not letting Brain Point go. So they traded around, traded away an extra late round pick to move up one spot in the third round to take Brain Point. Wouldn't you be like, there's something going on here. Why would they want to do this as uh, that team who would have that pick? Well, when you get into later rounds, it's actually not uncommon for GMs to call around saying, hey, who do you plan on taking? Yeah, we yeah. want to move up for a guy. Uh, if you're planning on taking this guy, yeah. move back to our spot. We're not like we know we're not going to take him. There's a lot of like honor, like yeah, like an unwritten code between GMs. Yeah, because even last year, Detroit traded away a sixth round pick to Columbus for a fifth rounder this year because Detroit wasn't really high on anybody at that point, and Columbus was. So like, yeah, upgrade us around next year, and you can you can have them. Yeah. Now there's there's going to be plenty. Plenty of talk of Steve Eisenman. Um, and we're not done for today, but we should talk about Ken Holland. Uh, Ken Holland will go down as a builder of the game in the Hall of Fame. He will go down as one of the most important people in Red Wings history. And I maintain that the man should have a statue when the time comes. He uh, stepped aside, basically. And it, he knew this was the right move. And it was reported that Ken was the guy who orchestrated 
Eisenman's return. So it's not like Chris Ilch came to Ken and said, okay, either move up the ladder or get the hell out of my organization. Stevie's coming back. No, Kenny was the leader of the charge on this one, which in hindsight, this is what I love. As someone who's been holding a big secret for the last three months myself, watching all, I listened to a couple of his press conferences from the last few weeks where he's saying, I'm the GM of the Red Wings until I'm no longer the GM. I'm like, oh, Kenny. He knew what he was saying. He knew what he was doing. For him, and and I don't think Max was wrong in assessing, like there was a lot of emotion in, in this and it could be that he doesn't want, like he still thinks he could do it, and or it could be that he, you know, he just loves his team so much and he's excited. But regardless, the man is doing and has done what he thinks is best for the Red Wings at all times, and this has to be in his 22 year career as a general manager the toughest decision he's ever made. This yeah. decision flat out wouldn't be made if he if he, he put his foot down. Chris Illich would have let him let him keep going as GM, probably. 100%. And for him to do this is just, he could have not done it and still gone down as all those things that I just mentioned about him. But for him to do it, it's just a capstone on his contributions to the Red Wings. Oh, Kenny is. So again, I've been one of Kenny's biggest defenders over the last little while. Um, Everybody acknowledges while he was trying to keep the streak alive, he made a lot of poor decisions in the sake of trying to keep the streak alive. And we know what his bad habits are. He's overly loyal to mediocre players, yada, yada, yada. Ignoring that little win, that little we'll call it a three-year blip. Mm-hmm. He's been one of the best GMs in the league since. Since he started rebuilding, he's done the right things, made the right moves, um, for the most part. But no GM's perfect. I'm sure we're gonna sit here over the next couple of years and criticize things Eisenman's about to do. Jim Rutherford won two cups, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the man is one of the greatest GMs in hockey history. Who had a rough spell? Who? What? What great GM hasn't? For for him to persist through two decades, the game has changed a lot. My my opinion, and, and a lot of you will be saying, "Well, Ryan, you were harshly critical of Ken Holland." If you if you go back, I always did my best to qualify. This isn't an indictment on his work or him as a person. I just genuinely think that the game changed too much for his thought process and strategy to be a hundred percent effective. I and I'm still so impressed. Like this past year, he did a lot of things that were outside of his comfort zone. But for him to still recognize. And see, like, no, the way Eisenman operates is what's best for this team right now is, like, I actually, like, welled up. When they talked about him, like, making this decision for the team, like, I was welling up. I was like, that, it doesn't matter. self-sacrifice. Yeah. If the Ryan Hannas of the world are talking about you or the Brad Criscos of the world are talking about you or the Evan Lobsingers even are talking about you, positive, negative, whatever, like, none of that matters anymore. Like, that guy just did the, like, he made the toughest but most important decision of his career for the Red Wings. Ken Holland is a Detroit Red Wing through and through. Well, he still gets to show up to the same place every day. He just has different duties, and I'm sure his paycheck is probably the same. It's probably a little heftier. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a little more handsome. And he got an extension out of this, too, which has not been talked about a ton. He got a promotion and a raise. Party on, Ken. Party on. That was them saying, like, we're not going to just let you go. Like, you have job security here, and I'm sure the moment... If he does choose to leave, he'll be gone. Like they'll be like, "Best of luck, thank you for everything." He's will always have a home in Detroit. Maybe he'll Kyle Orton this, where last game of the season, doing the press conferences in the locker after, crowds gathered around him. He's like, "Okay, I just gotta go to the washroom, guys. I'll be right back." And then Orton left the stadium and never came back. <laughs> I was trying to figure out what the hell this was about. I want. I, I wish to God Kenny does the same thing one day. Just he's gonna be there till he's not. 
I just, it was one of the, like, it would have been so easy to, for people to be like shitty about it and look back and say like, Oh, finally we're rid of Kenny. And it's just like, no, like, of course he's the one to orchestrate this. Of course he's still doing what he thinks is best for the Red Wings, even if it's his final move as GM. 22 years as GM, it's it's like that's an unprecedented amount. You're not going to find a lot of guys who who have done that or will do that. Ah, there isn't enough of a thank you. Build the man a statue. If our episode of this, if our title of this episode wasn't already Steve Eisenman Returns, it would be build him a statue <laughs> or build the statue. Um, final thoughts about Eisenman. He has a lot to 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 do moving forward, and we're gonna get about like we're gonna get into this in, in our upcoming episodes, of course. Um, biggest move or non-move that you would want to see from Steve Eisman? What would it be? Oh man, okay. If we're just talking biggest move, not necessarily most likely. It's hard to not remember that while he was the GM of Tampa, he was one of the most aggressive pursuers of Eric Carlson. Now, I know he said he's not going to make moves on July 1 just to make the team a little better next year. But that's a move that makes the team a lot better for a lot of years. So I could still see that happening. And I I think Stevie coming in, I'm not going to say ups the odds, but it certainly doesn't hurt them. Mm -hmm. Um, Steve Eisenman is a man who very firmly believes in skill and talent above everything else. Now, the draft could shift shift things because if they go with Bowen Byram, they might not feel the need to go make a big splash in for agency for a defenseman. But if they draft a Turcotte, a Doc, whoever, maybe they have to because you need that that cornerstone, right? So to me, that would be the most ideal. And despite what everybody on Twitter has been saying, Eric Carlson's still an elite level defenseman who I'm pretty sure is leading the playoffs and assists right now. Um, so that would be my my most hopeful my most likely is i actually do think there's a very realistic chance now that one of if not both trevor daly and jonathan erickson are not red wings come opening day next season my thing with steve eisenman is uh related to that i think he, w- he will be aggressive in shedding the log jam um and that starts with detroit of course on defense if i had to put money down now i don't think cronwell comes back but if Cronwell does come back, I think it's very... You remember that that best-case scenario that you were talking about where you said, if Cronwell comes back, buy out Daly and Erickson? I wouldn't even buy him out. Just send him to wave them. Yeah, I think it'll be one of... Like, he'll find a way to clear that. He'll he'll recognize the importance of getting Cholosky and Hronik their minutes. And then also, and we'll talk about it more, and Prashanth did a great job of chatting about this uh, in his article, was uh, the logjam at all positions going down to Grand Rapids needs to clear. And making decisions on players who... You know, bringing them back wouldn't do so much in terms of the the team's development and kind of just accelerating and and getting things on track in terms of uh, development. You need to be able to assess who you have and what you have. And I think that'll be Eisman's first priority. Yeah, definitely having a fresh set of eyes on the talent pool will will definitely help clear the, the future vision of the team. And I didn't, when he said he wasn't looking to be aggressive at the, uh, at free agency, I, I, didn't really believe it because I feel like he's going to be hyper aggressive with a lot of money coming off the cap or off the yeah off the cap. Mm-hmm. Um, I I I, agree I, I th- and you know what? Wouldn't it be one hell of a bold statement for him to offer sheet somebody? I don't think Eisman will give up four first round picks. No, no, I, well, I'm not saying Mitch Marner, but you know, give us someone a second tier one who's Casper maybe a, he'd be a good fit on this team. It is a fast team. It is a fast team. 
Yeah, it's I'm I'm curious because Eisenman was always a wizard with the cap because even when they were right up against it, you never he still made the Ryan McDonough trade. He still was in on Eric Carlson. He knew how to make it work. And again, he just his whole philosophy of everybody on the roster needs to be skilled. And I think Evan's right. I think he's going to be hyper aggressive in free agency, but I think he's only going to be big game hunting. He's going to oh, go, yeah. he's yeah. going to go hard at. I'm not necessarily these exact players, but he's going to go hard at the Artemi Panarins and the Eric Carlsons of the world, and he's going to completely ignore the maybe the Jake Gardners and the secondary forwards of the world. That's not what he needs. That's not what he wants. Because it's also important to note. For as great of a job as Eisenman did in Tampa, when he got there, he inherited a very, oh. very young Steven Stamkos and Victor Hedman. He had the the two pieces Detroit needs that they don't have right now. He walked into Tampa Bay with them. Now, that being said, Ryan McDonough is a top two defenseman. And, you know, you got Braden Point and Nikita Kucherov, who could be number one forwards. So he, he still acquired adequately, but he was kind of gifted the two biggest pieces. So he's aware that he's going to have to get them. Um, that, that was really important because he's not walking in with nothing in Detroit. Like having a Dylan Larkin and a Zadina and an Athens, that's all great, but he, he doesn't legit- have those one A's. No, like he had, he had something better to work with in Tampa still. I mean, that's a nice warm up for, for the real run now, which is rebuilding Detroit. Yeah. Um, there's a, the, a current run that's happening on Jeopardy. Um, who's yeah, blo- I've heard about that. It's nuts. What? James Holzauer. Holzauer. He's making more money than Trebek. Yeah. He's he's basically this guy is like on an insane run in Jeopardy. He's he's on pace to crush Ken Jennings. He's be, he's gonna beat Ken Jennings' record. He has a third of his total winnings so far, and like a sixth of the amount of uh, rounds it took to oh, make. Geez. Yeah. He's and like he's still going, and the way this guy works is he aggressively targets high value questions on the board. He has other things like he has an insanely quick like buzzer finger and and is obviously very knowledgeable. He's been training with elastics, yeah, for years. <laughs> um, but he he targets parts of the board that have the highest probability of having a daily double, and then his next priority is just getting the highest uh, highest value questions. And it's people think it's unconventional, but it just makes so much sense. And look at the amount of success he's having. Steve Eiserman goes for high value, high impact moves that are beneficial to the team. And he is not afraid to make tough decisions, like wagering a lot. Like this Didn't guy, that guy throw down like 60K or 40K on, on the daily, final Jeopardy or whatever? Yeah, he, he he bets big on the daily doubles in the final Jeopardy. A, because he, he's confident because he's smart as hell. Yeah. But B, he's like, that's this is the highest, like, this is the highest positive expected value I can generate here. Steve Eisenman left, left Martin St. Louis, who was on like, I believe, a 95-point season that year, off of Team Canada's roster in 2010. And was his GM. And he was his GM. And then traded him for a great return. Don't It was Ryan Callahan, who was good at the time. And two first-round picks. And two first-round picks, yeah. It's, they turned into first-round picks, but still. And the Rangers got a year and a half of Martin St. Louis. Yep. This is a He guy, might get a third-round pick for Trevor Daly. This is a guy who goes after, like, he's aggressive, and he knows what he's doing. Like, I know that seemed like a weird uh, analogy to make, but it reminds me a lot of this James Holzhauer guy guy in in Jeopardy. Like, Iserman is not, he does not sit back, but he also doesn't do things that aren't calculated. You you left the basic heart and soul of the Tampa Bay Lightning off of the most important Olympic roster 
in since like 02 and then traded him the next year when he was what six months removed from putting up 95 points or whatever or maybe it was 100 points i can't remember that like the that guy Steve Eisenman doesn't mess around. When he says let's get to work, he means let's that's get to and work. that's the exact mentality we need right now because the you can the vision not the vision but the identity of the team isn't clearly defined and we need someone new to make that decision. Are we a greedy team? Are we a fast team? No, we're a bad team. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is for certain. There's no identity to this team yet, and him coming in with basically no debt. He yeah. can make these decisions, and we'll finally see where this team is going. Well, he's got a lot of debt, but he has no loyalties to the <laughs> Abdulkaders, Helms, Nielsens, Witkowskis, Vanix of the world, Erickson Daly. He can jettison all these guys into the sun, and it's going to be no skin off his back. Here's one thing I want to talk about. Um, Steve Isaac, like the emotional impact this has had in the city of Detroit and the Detroit Red Wings fan base and organization yeah, you'd be hard pressed to find a true Red Wings fan who's upset about this. This was when we say the best news that the team has had since 2008 when they won the cup. I like this is the feeling inside of me talking about this is just like I feel like I'm about to evolve to the next level. <laughs> like this, like it. It's just an amount of positivity and hope and and pride in the team that we haven't had in 11 years. And so, and that's so important because yes, objectively, you want a guy who makes all the right moves like Steve Eisman does. He has a pedigree to be a good GM, but also these kinds of things are important. We have just gone through year after year after year of a terrible hockey team. It's important to feel good about your hockey team, to feel good about the direction it's going. Because you know what that does? A, from a, a, a business standpoint, it's going to generate revenue. B, it makes people more comfortable in the t- in the tough times because they know the good times are coming and see more specific or I should say B one, Steve Eisman needs time and he needs patience and what he brings to the city automatically buys that for him. There will be people five games in on Facebook <laughs> comments all all going for his head already. Yeah, we we don't use Facebook as a metric here. No. We we like that you spelunk in there for us to report <laughs> back. <laughs> but it's, it's like entering the twilight zone yeah so. the most apt use of the word spelunk in this podcast's history thank you i think it might be the third time we've said it <laughs> no like seriously like eisenman's gonna need some years to get, to get this back on track this team is gonna be a lottery team next year and if we said that with ken holland as gm we would actually have to stop saying on the podcast because people get angry at us now people have this newfound hope and they have this understanding that immediately comes because we have this dark cloud lifted for like it's just like we, the team just got an injection of positivity. We got a new. We needed it. Yeah, and it makes it okay that we're going to be talking about Lafreniere for the next year. Blow the year for Lafreniere because it's it's Steve Eisenman has set those expectations in his like his first act as GM was to say this is what I need from you guys for me to do my job and let's get to work. I can't get over that. Let's get to work. Let's, we're making a shirt with let's get to work on it. <laughs> he, just a giant nineteen. Yeah, let's get to work. I'm pretty sure there's probably already like six variations of it out there. We'll be the best one though. AliExpress yes. works quickly. <laughs> there's, there's literally this was literally best case scenario for the Detroit Red Wings. Brad, you said it perfectly with your tweet. The Detroit Red Wings have won the offseason and it hasn't even the draft isn't here here yet. There's been no draft and no free agency period, and Detroit Red Wings have already won. We've been spent the whole year. What what would it take for this offseason to be considered a success for the Red Wings? And we had three targets. If one of Jack Hughes comes to Detroit, not happening. 
Eric Carlson gets signed for agency to be determined, or Steve Eisman returns to, De- returns to Detroit. It's a win for the offseason. It is end of April, not even, and we're there. Everything else is gravy. The proverbial gun that we uh, raised, that I raised at Max, has, has been lowered. <laughs> we should have brought that up with him when all you're talking. Um, he, there's nothing else that Matt. I have a, a a friend who's a Canucks fan, and he me- he messaged me telling me about how like how happy he was for Detroit and how jealous he was. The Canucks have an incredible young core to work with. The Canucks are much farther along in terms of assets. In terms, like they have they have an Elias Pettersson, and he was telling me how jealous he was as a Canucks. Fan. Yeah, because they also have a Jim Benning. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Exactly. You guys want to know how Toronto fans felt when they got Babcock and then Dubis? We're happier. <laughs> They're at least ten times happier. Yeah, because Babcock and Dubis, on top of being good at their jobs, were not already heroes amongst the organization. If and when Steve Eisman brings a cup back to Detroit, when they may just make him mayor on the spot, probably. Is he the first general manager to have a street named after him in the city? Is there a Joe Sackick drive in uh, Colorado? There. If if there isn't, shame on them. Well, if only we had a large internet data source that we could tap into. Um, I I at one point in the past few minutes, Brad, I looked at you wide eyed. It's because I looked at our Patreon comments. Guess how many we have? How, okay, what? It's about tens average for an episode. Tens average. I'm gonna say twenty two. 35. What the fuck? <laughs> I have not refreshed the page. <laughs> I I have not refreshed the page. Wait, what was this? Sorry, yeah. I'm looking up to see if Joe Saki has 35 Patreon <laughs> questions. Holy shit. There are... are they all Steve Eisman related? Oh, almost definitely. Yeah, we didn't even talk about draft stuff. The U18s are going on. Toronto Boston's going to game seven. Uh, we're going to talk about this stuff going forward, but um, understandably... Uh, for anybody listening right now who's not a Red Wings fan and was here for the other content, you understand. This one's going to be Eisman only. It. You get it. So the player profiles, the draft spotlights, not happening this episode. Yeah. Um. We'll, by the time we get to the next episode, actually, we'll have a bit more in-depth comments about the U18s. By that point, Cole Caulfield have probably broken the U18 scoring record. <laughs> yeah. He's got eight goals in three games. I believe nine. Nine goals in three games. It's like the Harlem Globetrotters are playing a tournament. The yeah. the entire U- there might be five players from the USNDP drafted in the top ten, and um, Steve Eisman is going to get one of them. He uh, he does. He the nineteenth street is was renamed Joe Sakic Way in two thousand nine. Good on yeah. you, Colorado. Good on you. Yeah, Cole Caulfield has nine goals and two assists. He has uh, three hat-tricks in three games. Yeah, we want this episode to be the Eisenman episode, so we'll get to all that stuff. Um, we're going to bring it to Patreon. Patrons, Do I need it. to go grab a Diet Cherry Coke? I think you do. I think you have one down here. You're supposed no, to say unnamed fruit beverage. Uh, oh, man. Well, you just gave Coke like a, a million listens. Because yeah. I think that's how many this episode's going to get. We're going go to go over to Patreon where all of our supporters who have stuck with us through the dark times get their comments read out on air as our way of saying thank you for and bearing with us. And we pass on to the joy. <laughs> <laughs> also, just before we get to these comments, Eisenman, the only way it would have been more prophetic is if he announced it on Easter Sunday <laughs> rather than Good Friday. Oh, as if it wasn't 
on purpose that the former fourth overall pick who wore number 19 for the Detroit Red Wings didn't get announced on 419-19. Said he didn't even notice notice that. No, they like, pull. That guy you noticed see his everything smirk. Else. Yeah, you can see his smirk. The Illich in Holland and Eisenman knew how big this would be and they were like, we have to lean into it. I was talking to Max about it when when we were talking about um, whether or not like we were going to move on this our sources, and he was like, "And I just don't know. Like, I don't know if the 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 team is going to come out on like the nineteenth. Like, come on, that's a bit cheesy." I'm like, "Yeah, I guess they were pretty cheesy then, eh?" He's like, "Yeah, man." <laughs> the first thing he did in the morning, the first thing I did was see the tweets, fired off a couple, and then I checked my DMs, and Max was just like, "All right, you win." <laughs> <laughs> Um, we're going to go over to Patreon now, guys, I'm going to do my best to read out the comments. If I compress it, just forgive me. Um, this is huge for us, but we like, obviously some of these will say the same thing, which is a happy thing. And also thanks for sticking with us to this point. Cause we know this episode was emotional and scattered and we tried to form relevant thoughts on Iserman, but we were just, it's just, it's yeah. just happy coming out of our mouths right now. And it's been a long time. This is probably what, the first like true happy episode we've had since last year's draft. Yep. <laughs> Yep, and you threw a baby in there, Brad. <laughs> and I threw a baby in there. That, like I said, the timing was amazing on that because I've known for a while this was going to be the episode and everything just lined up so beautifully. Oh, God. The only thing that... Cosmic poetry. The only thing that screwed me up was the at point in the episode in which... Um, I, I announced got screwed up because I was right after the interview with Max when we were in like the intro part is when I was going to do it. So I sent Crystal a text like now yeah. and she <laughs> waited 15 minutes. So I guess she didn't get it right away. I'm yeah, like, damn yeah. it. <laughs> um, Brendan B singer says, I figure there'll be enough questions in the thread. So I'll leave mine at one. Do you guys think the St- Stevie's decisiveness plays a role in Cron or returning next year? Short answer. Yes. Um, I still would bet on Cronwall returning, but like Max alluded to earlier, I think there will be an offsetting move if that happens. Um, This is an A, B, or C question, so you guys answer with A, B, or C. Jeff Chen says, what a great week it's been, boys. My question is, what does Stevie do first as GM? A, wave applicator. B, bio Erickson. Or C, both A and B. Uh, Or D, none of the above. Neither. I would bet on Erickson being waived, if any. Yes. Evan says, yes, I'm going to agree with Brad here. Yeah, because you're not going to buy out Erickson unless you need the cap room for this season, which Detroit doesn't. Waving him, you don't save any cap, but you don't also have any cap next season on the the roster, which would be more valuable. And honestly, I think there's still some value out there. You could get a late round pick for Trevor Daly, so that's probably pretty high on the options list as well. Uh, Sam Shayer says one of my favorite things Stevie said in the presser was that he didn't want to make a big splash on July 1st only to get a little better, which I feel is a definite contrast of mentality from Kenny. Anyway, what do you think Stevie's going to, uh, anyways, what do you think Stevie's going to take, uh, in terms of a similar approach to a rebuild as he did in Tampa or should we expect something different? Nope identical acquire skill by any means necessary the way he did it is the way it has to happen in this league slowly patient and do not pass up a good opportunity kaylin wood says how good is this one pretty great right let's take a moment and realize how good this is for the city and the fans it's pretty rare that the hero returns couldn't have said it better myself kaylin and we just tried for an hour and a half (laughs) k was says he's back what a nice 25th birthday present the Red Wings gave me. Hey, happy birthday, man. Uh, talk about a breath of fresh air for the organization. What is the boldest thing Steve could do for the Red Wings that's within reason? And do you think the Wings will uh, name D-Boss captain? If so, when? Um, boldest thing that he could do is 
an aggressive move to get rid of an Abdulkader or Nielsen contract. Yeah, if he gets rid of any contract that has three plus years left on it, ooh, good on him because yep. that's going. Because again, the obvious answers here are for everybody going to be like, oh, Stevie's going to get rid of Abdulkader, Nielsen, yada, yada. Those contracts are unmovable. Mm-hmm. So if he's able to move one of them without having to shed a massive asset to do it, oh my God. If the Raptors can move Rudy Gay, Eisenman can move <laughs> one of those two. Uh, what's your favorite kind of donut? Me? Yeah. One in my mouth. Um, mm. I love maple glaze. Oh, it's not oh. for me. Canadian maple's better, but I, I like the thought you're on. I'm going to go with a good apple fritter or Boston cream. I like uh, old-fashioned glazed or Your sometimes food tastes are just boring, man. Oh, man. I do like a good, like uh, the sugar ones, but I feel like I'm not allowed to do that. It's literally just a donut with sugar. Uh, Andrew Dubio says, all right, guys, I'm not sure how great uh, the news is going to sound on the podcast. Oh, man, this was, must have been a fun one for you then. Uh, I'm so used to hearing the gut-wrenching truth about how poorly we've been for the last few seasons. Well, we're still bad. We just have Steve Eiserman now. Yeah, we have someone who can fix the bad. This is all a bit, a little bit awkward. And I'm sure I have to have something this great happen. Uh, I'm sure to have something this great happens a little awkward for us. My question for you guys is, how does one stop celebrating? It's been a long weekend here in West Michigan. Every time I spot a Wings fan, it's a cause for the next celebration or party. Oh, you're not going to stop. No, I'm yet to actually find a downside to this. Uh, Matt G says, what a, week to, what a week to be a Wings fan. Tampa out, Penn's out, Stevie's home. During his press conference, Stevie mentioned to be patient. That's going to be two or three years at least. Do you guys take this to mean that our rebuild might be slowed down going forward compared to what Holland was trying to do and go for a better, more thought-out rebuild instead of a back to playoffs ASAP approach. Here's the thing. What Holland was set out to do wasn't realistic. And the timeline, if anything, would have been set back if they tried to enact that plan. So what Max was saying about how Holland and Stevie believe in a lot of things, I think he's right, but I think that comes from more of a culture standpoint. Stevie's that no nonsense. We're not here to tank. We're not here to lose. We're here to compete, to believe in a culture of winning. But I do think him and Kenny have like very different views when it comes to it so if i ha- if i had to objectively summarize what i think stevie means by that it's not that he's not going to try and win next year it's not that he's not going to take a big run at a big free agent if he's got a chance it's i don't think we're going to see the thomas vanek and the mike green contracts of the world i don't think he values that air quotations volume of leadership in the room anymore he's going to give the young guys more opportunity through subtraction of veterans if that not that he believes in no veterans which is why we might see cronwall come back yada 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 but he's not going to put as much weight into it as holland did Hassam al Qasem says, let's all thank uh, Kenny for bringing Stevie home. The Iser plan is in effect. I'm just really happy, guys. He's home. Jonathan R. Reinbold says, I don't even have words. What a week. Connor Baker says, oh, happy day. Such glorious, glorious news. My question for you is simple. Where are you when you heard the glorious news of our Savior's return this Easter weekend? For me, I had just gotten home from work. I do third shift at 6 a.m. and began feeding our three-month-old son. I hear my wife say uh, from the other room, Stevie's the new GM. I exclaim loudly, what? Startling my half-asleep infant and causing him to cry and scream for the next <laughs> 10 minutes, but it was worth it. And a story he'll, uh, he will be told <laughs> for when he's old enough to enjoy the wings. Brad, tell him about how you found out. Uh, I was woken up by a phone call from Ryan. I'm just like, as soon as I seen your name, I knew what was up. Yeah. But I said, I'm like, hello. And then he's, it, he's home. <laughs> and that's, yeah. Um, yeah. And I think I like sleepily said, St- Stevie's back. And you're like, yeah, I'm like awesome. I don't even, if it, my mother called me at, what time did he call? He called me. It was just before eight. Uh, I think uh, I called you just before eight. Yeah. Okay. I would answer if my mother called. 
Yeah. But anybody else, I would never pick that up. So, yeah, we. I was getting up early to try and find it. I Mel was asleep next to me, and I was tweeting from 7, like just before 7 in the morning up until probably 10.30 before I even got out of bed. Um, and she kept waking up, and she goes, this uh, Steve Heisman's back? I'm like, yeah. She goes, and we, I said, love that. She goes, we love that. That's so good for the team. <laughs> She's, like, she's on board. Yeah, she, she's like, "That's good. I'm glad. I'm glad he's go back. team." <laughs> <laughs> and then she was like, "Can you wake me up at 9:30?" And I'm like, "Yeah, sure." And it was nine. At ten o'clock, her alarm went off. She goes, "Ryan, what the hell?" I was like, "I honestly didn't even notice the time passed." And I looked at. I've been looking at my phone for an hour. <laughs> it was funny too because normally my phone battery I can almost make last two days, and I my phone had charged overnight. I unplugged it when you called, and my phone battery was almost dead by three. I think we have. I think we like jumped fifty followers in a day. Yeah, like it was insane how happy Red Wings fans were and how every little thing was just any positive tweet was just blasted around the internet. Steve Eisman was trending worldwide on Twitter. <laughs> uh, Brandon Brandon Taylor says, "Well, all I can say is I haven't been this happy as a Wings fan in years." Question: How does the Stevie hiring change change our draft approach, if at all? That is, keep up the great work, boys. Higher uh, probability of taking talent over culture. Why? Okay, so you guys didn't hear this, but this is going to relate a little back to what we were, uh, us and Max were talking about it before we started recording. The first round pick is going to be a bit of a telltale to me because if it's a skill approach, we're going to see a Byram, a Turcotte, a Zegris, a Caulfield. If the old guard gets their way, it's going to be Cousins or Doc. We'll see. Uh, Joe Caboose119Z Falzone says, Do you think Stevie would be aggressive enough to trade a core player? Yes. Oh, he traded Jonathan Drouin out of Tampa, and he traded Martin St. Louis out of Tampa. He is not afraid to deal key pieces. So part of me wants to tell everybody, don't get too attached to anybody, but you never know because he also likes talent. So, uh, On another note, I'm going to be so happy with our first pick this draft. I can make arguments, good and bad, for literally any of Pod Colson, Byram, Cousins, Doc, Turcotte, Zekras, Caulfield being the best player available. Yep, That is the approach to take. Look at... Joe's uh, comment, that's exactly the approach. Cameron Brown says, During Stevie's presser, I noticed that when he listed out some of the guys in the core, the only defenseman he named off was Hronik. Might be a bit of a stretch, but do you, uh, with this, do you think he might be leaning towards Byram if he falls? After seeing the Mantle, Larkin, Bertuzzi line and having Zadina and or Valeno slash Hirose to, up to play with Athanasiu, I wouldn't mind grabbing another higher-end defensive prospect. Not sure how this, that works out with roster spots, though. Uh, I would... Well, Byron will be back in junior next year, no matter who picks him, I'm pretty sure. Um, defensemen take longer. But yeah, if Byram's not there, you have to really believe in a centerman to pass over him at that point. No, yeah. Byram, I, Byram is probably maybe the only consensus in those top of those like players after number two that says, no, this guy's definitely going top five. Yeah, I don't think Byram will be there at six for Detroit, honestly. Um but if he is, that's one hell of a good problem to have. Rowan says, you're all my favorites this week. Everything is wonderful. I'm still high as heck on Iser News. Best Iser Easter after ever. So with the draft upcoming, are you ready for that Stevie sorcery to go down? I can say with certainty, Stevie will stare down the other GMs on the draft floor and they'll pick Spencer Knight, some wingers, and Byram, leaving Hughes to fall for six. <laughs> Can't wait. Yes, absolutely. You may have discussed this, but the whole preach patience thing. Could it be a false flag and Eisman comes out swinging, making moves, being aggressive with the roster? Addition by subtraction, perhaps. Uh, if it is, it'll be addition by subtraction in my mind. It's not like he's never hidden his attentions before. <laughs> Jersey time. Wings alternate idea. Inverse barber pull. Yes or no? Inverse barber pull. Ooh, I like it. Yeah. I like it. it? We, it's I, upstairs. Oh. 
Uh, I like it a lot. Nick Putty says, answer honestly, when did you realize it was the 19th on Friday when they made the announcement? For me, it was flipping a pork chop on the grill that night when I realized I was an idiot for not picking that up sooner. Oh, we picked it up when we had the news the day before. Oh, yeah. Oh, 100%. Uh, John Schultz says, I was awoken by my wife on Friday to the notification on her phone about the press conference. Incoherently and half asleep, I read the blurb and saw something about Eisman and GM. In my mind, I didn't think it possible as I knew he was under contract until July 1. Took a few more seconds for me to realize I wasn't dreaming and that uh, this was, in fact, reality. Shot up out of bed, started pumping my fist and high-fiving my wife. <laughs> Watched the entirety of the press conference together. Two things stuck out to me. One, Ken Holland looked absolutely miserable. <laughs> Like lottery drawing day, miserable. Having listened to Chris Illich sing his praises for making a sacrifice for the good of the franchise multiple times, no less, and then reading Craig's Into the Unknown article about Kenny on The Athletic, it would appear to me he was forced out, and I'm fine with this, by the way. No question it was the right call. Uh, two, I don't like that Chalosky is being mentioned as part of our young core. Yes, I know he spent uh, the last third of the season in the uh, AHL, but this is an oversight and a disservice to him. Uh, quiz time. Can you guess who players X, Y, and Z are below? Player X, 71 games played, 6 goals, 13 assists. That is just an applicator. Uh, player Y, 61 games played, 7 goals, 10 assists. Darren Helm. Player Z, 52 games played, 7 goals, 9 assists. 50. Fra- Franz Nielsen? Um, no, Franz had like a... 7 goals, 9 assists? Yeah. Oh. 52 games played. Michael Rasmussen? Dennis Cholosky. Uh, pathetic for our perennial first line of forwards lastly i haven't commented since the meetup but noah and i thoroughly enjoyed meeting you guys and hanging out although in hindsight with how badly the wings played that night it might have been more enjoyable just staying at founders and continuing the party we will certainly try to make both meetups next season yeah founders was awesome for that oh it was advanced water says so i bought nhl 19 last night because it was on sale for 70 percent off named my gm eisman for obvious reasons one of the fans had a sign that said, Eisenman, please don't screw this up. And if that's not how I feel right now, I don't know what is. Also, I replied to a tweet about the Pittsburgh Penguins getting swept with a gif of a penguin falling over, and only Brad liked it. So, Brad, you are my favorite. (laughs) I missed a lot of things on Twitter. My phone overheated and crashed. I have an iPhone 10 that has never happened before. Yeah, um, apologies to anybody who I didn't respond to over the weekend. I I lost count, but I think... I was pretty close to a thousand notifications on Friday. Yeah. Every time I opened my phone, I saw 20 plus. It was. And like that was, we were opening our phones every five to 10 minutes. It was insane. Yeah. I stopped driving. My notifications just stopped turning on. Like whenever I opened the app, I'd have the bell and then I'd click it and there'd be a ton of notifications, but it wouldn't say how many. Yeah, it well, was. It just ghosted me. I hate that. For the record, I hate that show more that they switch now. Oh, I, I just want to scroll up and pick up. I don't care if there's 200 notifications above it. I want to know and I want to scroll Let through. the guys scroll. Because I can just bomb through all the likes and retweets and all that stuff. I then I slow down on the comments, right? This show more and then you have to scroll down and then figure out where it ends. I hate that. Twitter, knock that you garbage submit off. submit some feedback. They will definitely read it. Well, I'm over 2,000 followers now. I'm wondering if I can submit for the blue check mark. They uh, don't take uh, intake for that right it's now. It's coming. The uh, the tweet I had that, that kind of blew up, they just stopped. They just said, more people like this. Don't worry about who. It doesn't matter. Just more people. Every time I refresh, it's like, yeah, more. Shut up. Stop checking. Uh <laughs> Um, Joe Craig says, can we be happy again? Yes. Yes, you can. Simon Anderson says, the best news ever. You guys have been a blast to follow on Twitter the past few days. 
Thank you, Simon. Uh, realistically, do you think Stevie can and will do something with Abdelkader, Nielsen, Erickson, and Helm? By the way, do not drop your hype on Philip Larson. I've seen him play when he was even younger back home in Sweden. The hype is real. We just love having a superstar Sweden net at some point. Take care, gentlemen. We talked about that last episode, right? I, th- I yes. believe we did. Yeah. yeah. Philip Larson. Hype train. It's a wonderful day. Uh, can he? Yes. Will he move those guys? It might be too big a task for any GM, but he will definitely try. I will go in the category of Nielsen and Abdelkader's contracts being unmovable. He moves them. Then we really know we're in for some, in for a ride. Yeah, and honestly, Nielsen's still a usable player. He's overpaid, yeah. but if that's a guy you're trotting out on your third line, it's fine. Um, so I don't think he's he's an urgent matter to take care of. I there's Daily Helm Erickson. There's stuff that could be done there. Uh, Phil Gasno says, "Hey boys, two questions today. Do you have anyone or anything in hockey that you love uh, but feel bad about it? Personally, I think the Avalanche have the sickest jerseys in the league. My favorite number is also four for Robert Blake. Um, I love Abs- Mitch Marner in an unconditional amount. Man, I, Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews for me. God, I love watching those players play. So fun. And oh. honestly, like one of my favorite players." That ever played for the Kitchener Rangers is Gabriel Landeskog. Oh boy! And then I was Nathan say Peter Kanko. And then oh, legend. Red Mohawk. And then Nathan McKinnon. So fun! It's it's hard to not enjoy watching Colorado right now, especially since they just knocked off a number one seed as an eighth seed. Like, man, it's not that I want either of these teams to win, but damn, do I enjoy watching them. Evan, I have really grown to like David Pasternak. His oh, yeah. hands are. Filthy. He's a freak. Yeah, I really have like. Are you going to start taping your stick like him? I don't even know if I'll start taping my stick. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't tape it. I have the same tape on there from the start of the year. Oh god. Uh, have you guys ever played NHL Hits 02? The game is a childhood favorite. What are your top favorite video video games you've ever played? Oh, NHL 98 was my jam forever. Oh, and any iteration of the fir- uh, first three Tony Hawks. Half Life, Half Life Two, The Witcher Three. <sighs> Halo Combat Evolved. Halo 2. Okay, so down, nerd. Uh, I loved the first Black, first COD Black Ops was like my heyday with like. Modern Warfare. Yeah, COD Modern 4. Modern Warfare, yeah. Um, Mario Odyssey, Breath of the Wild, uh, Super Mario 64. Yeah, this, uh, is, this is Evan's jam right here. <laughs> I, I love Counter Strike. Uh, Jonathan McLeish says, what a great weekend. I'm cutting you off. Yeah, you're done. Uh, <laughs> what a great weekend. Not that us Scots need a reason to drink, but Stevie's homecoming and the fact that it's glorious sunshine on the Easter weekend uh, was just that. Still drunk. Cheers, Jonathan. Uh, Joe Fournier from New York says, wow, so many comments. I'll make this short and sweet. Ah, how do you like them apples, Larry Brooks? <laughs> <laughs> Typing this while I'm watching the double IHF under 18 worlds and saw Turcotte sick one timer near the, near the end of the first. I'm sold. Cheers to the eyes are playing. Stay fresh. Cheese bags. Also, sorry to double post, but dudes, the players of the game, uh, Chistyakov for Russia and Turcotte for USA, were awarded backpacks and posed for photos at the center wall with their brand new backpacks. The looks on their face was priceless. That sounds awful. Yeah, I'd rather a gold watch or something. Yeah, my favorite is still when um, Jordan Everly got player of the game at the Worlds one year, and he went to shake the hands of the two girls that were standing behind him, and they wouldn't even touch him. (laughs) Uh, Chris Canal says, the prophecy has been fulfilled. That is all. Stan Olson says, hey, guys, hope all is well. On a scale from 1 to 69, uh, how excited are you guys for Avengers? Uh, all, 19 um, out of 19. I'm a zero. I do not oh, care man. for comic book movies at all. Evan, leave. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, oh, I haven't bought my ticket yet. Well, you won't go you on won't opening get day. one. No, I'm going. I'm 
my schedule is going to allow me on the Saturday. Oh, so. that's good. Uh, also, who sits on the Iron Throne when it's all said and done? Hot pie. <laughs> I will maintain hot pie. Um, my my actual prediction is nobody. But if one of them does, I'm going to go with. I'm curious on how they're gonna play up the Gendry Arya thing. Dark horses. There was, I don't really care. I just want everyone to have fun. Um, apparently, there's a, <laughs> They're not a having that. strong conspiracy theory that Brand is actually the Night King. Uh, plot there, twist. I, you know what? I, I am not a conspiracy guy, but uh, I read it and I was like, I'm fairly convinced. Well, it's definitely not going to be the Umber Boy because now he is Ember. <sighs> plot twist it's Stevie, the true king, father <laughs> of Zadina's, the breaker of bad contracts, the one who will bring Lord Stanley to the realm. Marissa has, ooh, another list of things. I don't, I'm so bad at answering. What's your favorite movie? Favorite movie? Yeah. Inglorious Bastards. Uh, Goodwill Hunting. Mine would have to be either Arrival or uh, Interstellar. Uh, favorite book, Harry Potter series. I never finished those. Yeah, that explains a lot about you. I stopped reading the last one halfway through. I was sick. The last th- one? I was sick and tired of J.K. Rowling's writing style, and I just never opened The bookmark is still in there. I'm going to go with uh, This Team is Ruining My Life. <laughs> <laughs> how I became a professional fan, I think it is. Yeah, yeah but I, no, how, This Team is Ruining My Life, but I love them anyway. TV show? Uh, House for me. I loved House. Oh, TV show. Evan, you go. I'm in it. Band of Brothers. I've got so many that fall into the sky. Okay. You have one. one. I have to go because I have a personal connection to the show. I got to go Letter Kenny. Okay. Video game. Uh, Oh, we talked about it. NHL 98. I honestly have no idea. School subject. Geography. Oh, man. Uh, What did I like? Oh, I loved uh, physiology and evolution when I was in my undergrad. Listen, nerd. Uh, one I'm the best at or the one I enjoyed the most? One you enjoyed the most? Uh, physics. Yeah, because uh, I enjoyed the most. I was picking nothing from college. Uh, yeah. Board game or card game? I love Car- card game. No, I, lo- no, like I love a one? good yeah. competitive game of euchre, but I'm a board game guy. Texas Hold'em for me. Oh, I have to pick a specific one? Yeah. Um... Can I say it is, is craps a board game? Oh yeah, I'm going it's with craps. Salt settler is a Catan type guy. Yeah, salty snack, uh, sweet chili heat Doritos. Salty snack. Oh man, um, these nuts. <laughs> <laughs> the entirety of Evan's existence on this podcast was leading up to that moment. Oh my god! Cancel the show. <laughs> Cancel the show. I'm crying. <laughs> oh, I wasn't going to say it. And I looked at Ryan and looked him right in the eyes and said it. <laughs> oh, oh, goodness. Oh, I, I, <laughs> so many days I'm like, I wonder why oh. Evan's here. Cause he doesn't always look like he's having a good time. And it was for this. It was for that moment. <laughs> That's why Evan. Oh yeah. That's the happiest I've ever seen you. I'm not kidding. Eisman yeah, News included, that is the happiest I've ever seen you. Yeah. Uh, I'm in a lot of pain right now. My back hurts so bad from golfing. So uh, just trying to get through. Uh, I'm going to rush. Marissa, I'm sorry. I'm going to rush through this. Um, sport other than hockey. We know yours, Evan. Football. Um, North American football before the Europeans yell at me. I'm going to say, oh, that's hard for me. Yeah, I'll say football. Uh, thing that happened on Friday, April 19th, 2019. 
I got to use uh, 50 Starbucks stars for a free ginger molasses cookie. Wow. The, the plan for how I was going to break the news to Ryan and Evan. Um, <laughs> favorite, Stevie. Second favorite, knowing that uh, our sources were solid and we could have been the first to break the Eisman news. Are we legitimate now? No. No, definitely not. Uh, Ron Swanson says we have our Keanu Reeves. Eric Kozlowski says greater homecoming. Stevie Y to Detroit or Jamie to Winterfell. Uh, Stevie Y to Detroit is the greatest homecoming in the history of mankind, fictitious or factual. There's nothing that will ever, 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 ever match that. Uh, we're going to take a few Reddit questions before we head out. Um, Punk Rock and Trev had a great video. If you guys want to check that out on Twitter, uh, what are the chances Kenny stays around? I think he already stays a year, or I think he stays around a year. Oh, Anthony Pantha had a whole intro planned out for me to open with, but <laughs> it ends with make the Red Wings skate again. Um, I'm sorry, I didn't see that in time. Yarvik7 says, aside from CV being announced as GM this week, what are the three best days of each of your lives? Um, <laughs> birth of your daughter. Yeah, b- birth of my daughter, wedding day, um, birth of upcoming child. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, Steve Eiserman. Uh, the Cup in 08. And that was cup, a good one. And uh, 02 Olympic uh, win for Canada. Uh, Buffalo Soldier 11 says, so So now that Eisman joining the Red Wings has gone from lost hope to actual reality, how long till we get Gallant and complete the administrative reboot? I need something new to dream for, and that would complete the trifecta for me. And I'm sure you guys might have already said this a bunch, but by the time you get to questions, uh, shout out to Ken Holland for orchestrating the acquisition of one of the best GMs in the league. We all saw Eisman returning as possible, but none of us saw it as part of Kenny's master plan. Absolutely. Um, I think as Max mentioned, as we talked about today, the administrative reboot is going to be the first actual thing that he's going to do. Kenny's already working the, or uh, Stevie's already working the, that force of habit. Stevie's already working the phones. He knows who he's, his plan A's are. I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen in the next month or two. Draft is coming. Draft is coming in June and he wants to have his brain trust in place. Um, do OSBP. Has a pretty long one, and maybe that's how we'll end this one off. Uh, says, oh boy, here we go. Hitting the sack, back up uh, at 5 a.m. for Easter brunch. Nothing better than uh, 10 tops of <laughs> freaking grandmas and their uh, grandkids and oblivious parents coming in and not spending any real money, only then to leave me a bunch of bad reviews on the internet so I can get emails about it. Stay home. Uh, he is a chef at a pretty uh, well-regarded restaurant. I was going to say, what are we talking about? Yeah. I feel like I had so much to say. I want to. I kind of want to know what kind of clubs Evan plays, but he wouldn't get into it last episode since he's the most private public figure I've ever encountered. What kind of clubs um, are we public figures now? Yeah. Oh, man. That's you got to stop. It's it, weird. It's weird, man. Man, we have... Uh, I think... I think when we had Ron on the show, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is real. Yeah. Talk true. about your clubs. Um, I Right now, I have a tailor-made M1 driver. I actually really like it. Um, I have a Adams 3-wood, tailor-made 4-hybrid, and then I have Cobra Irons, and then I have um, Cleveland Wedges and an Odyssey Putter. Um, I would like to make the switch to tailor-made... Uh, more of a blade style irons, but um, those are very expensive, so I have not done that yet. But uh, if there's anything that could save my back, that would be really great. Cause core it's... strength. Yeah, you know what I actually did? Core strength or some strength stuff on um, what day was that? Thursday? I'm still sore. Attaboy. <laughs> yep. 
Um, guys, there's so many great questions here, and we do want to answer them this episode. Um, I wish we had four more hours to talk about this. There is so much coming for the rest of the week, the rest of the summer. There, like, this has we had a bunch of stuff on the docket, and this has just like piled on top of it in the best of ways. Um, so Wednesday's episode will be a big one. Wednesday which, by the way, Thursday. I first mentioned it's going to have to be Wednesday because I'm unavailable Thursday. Oh yeah, well we'll do that. Uh, <laughs> Forgot to mention that till just now. So the the if you your comment didn't get read out, uh, feel free to ask it on Twitter or post it again next week. Uh, I want to take this time to thank everyone who listens, everyone who supports the show guys, like the best, the true best part of all of this was experiencing it with you. And that sounds corny and sappy, but like this, like following this team and caring about this team and, and making this show, like it is just something else to have this much hope and happiness with it. So thank you all. Thank you to all our Patreon supporters who allow us to do things like this. Um, our name level sponsors, Sky Carcass, Luke, who's a new name level sponsor, Arjun Shanker, Clayton Van Dyken, Mike Reed, Langabeer, Kalen Wood, Charlie Elkins, Rob Thiel, Stan Olson, Ryan Alot, Ryan Lewis, Dan Bell, Hannah Lee. Guys, let's get to work. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.